What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the After Effect Podcast. I am your host, LeBron Stephan, but you can call me LBZ, L Boogie, Big Brian, 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 B Ron, whatever you choose. Welcome to episode 30. Yes, I said 30. Can you believe it? I honestly feel like we were just at 20, right? Welcome to episode 30. We have a very, very special guest. Jordan Kanziri is on the show today. We were teammates at Iowa. His freshman year, my senior year, 2011. Troy, New York native, was the starting running back for the amazing uh, Big Ten runner-up team in the 2014 season, was the starting running back in the Rose Bowl, where they unfortunately fell short to Stanford. Um, excited, excited to have him on to talk about New York culture and his experience at the University of Iowa, um, being sharing their backfield with the Krim Watley. Super eager to get his take on that. Hawkeye Nation, tune in, please. So yeah, I just sent him the link. So he should be jumping in at any time now. And we will get after it. My brother. You. Can you hear me, man? Yeah. Am I? I can hear you. Can can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear. I bet. I can hear you, bro. My mic is messing up, but let's let hopefully hopefully it doesn't mess up. (laughs) All right, no, all good. (laughs) How you doing, bro? No, I mean not too bad. Trying to you know make ends meet best I can during all this wild times of COVID. Hey, man. Same here, bro. Same here. Um. So yeah, man, I called this the After Effect Podcast and I created it uh, back in June just because I feel like all of us athletes, we have 20 plus years of experience. It's the losses, the injury, the pain, the sorrow. Uh, we've learned so much. I feel like we all have an after effect, an after. It's important for us to kind of tell our stories, kind of relive some good times, some not so good times, and essentially uh, press, the- press the next generation forward. Yeah. No, yeah. Yes, no, yes. Definitely, I like the theme. I mean, it's definitely true. Like you said, I mean, like we all have come from different backgrounds, but we've at least like faced the same thing with itself of like football. Exactly. Through the same program, even at Iowa and like exactly. facing a lot of the same things, but just uh, again, from different lifestyles, different takes, different states, different places. So right, right, right. I'm, and sure, so, I'm sure, I'm sure you get some good stories. Man, I'm telling you, you know, it's crazy. I was able to get uh, Pocky O'Meara on here last week and you like Australia and Colombia, he doesn't even do social media. He doesn't even really do technology. So it was super dope to get his take just on everything he's done since mm-hmm. he since he left Iowa because he's from Cedar Rapids. But uh, yeah. he he literally he's literally just like a freelancer. He's a he, he's a cook in Australia. So cool. To hear everyone's different story before mm-hmm. before I sent you the link that the last time I saw you wasn't. And who would have knew that was the last time we would see the Hawks play in front of fans? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know. It's crazy how things, like, change that fast. Like, man. And, uh, I mean, obviously happy that we got the dub, too. And then of course. for that to be like they said, that was the last game before the stadium uh, got destroyed, too. So for it to be those two and the fact that it's the last time with fans, it's it's wild. I'm telling you, bro. I'm telling you. So to your childhood, man, I just wanted get your take on just some current events. So um, who do you have? I know it's early. It's only, uh, I think, week nine in the NFL. But do who do you have in the Super Bowl this year and why? 
Uh, it's tough, but I mean, I, I would say right now, I honestly think that the Chiefs are just going to get it done again. Like I, like I honestly, what I say that, you know, shout out to Hitch and, you know, Ben and, and yeah. you know, guys that are on the squad and they, right. that are killing it. But, um, you know, they, they, we all know they're good. So <laughs> the one thing though, I'm, I'm glad to say is um, I'm actually happy to see the Steelers doing their thing this year. Cause I mean, I was definitely yeah. in the beginning, one of them haters like, yo, Ben's on his downfall. You know, he needs to retire. And, my, one of my best yeah. friends a Steelers fan so the other day I apologized to him I was like all okay. right bro you, you're right you're right <laughs> so since you grew up in New York did you grow up like a Giants or Jets fan or did you have a different team a different favorite team growing up Nah, not really because uh a lot of people always thought it was funny like even for me with football I never really like watched it that much when I was growing up I just okay. loved to run around like I just okay. loved I remember you know all the games of just playing street ball and right. stuff and like i just love running around love making people miss there was even a point where it was like i think i was eight or nine i did like padded football for the first time hated yeah. it so much i almost quit but then like <laughs> two years later tried it out with a different pro a different uh um program and yeah after that again. but i didn't start really getting involved with the nfl till later and watching and picking a team but uh, okay. when I was in high school, Reggie Bush, Reggie Bush was that guy to look up to as he, a running back. He was, he was the man. So, <laughs> so yeah. So when he went to the Saints before the mm. Kim Kardashian stuff, yeah, uh, yeah, you, you, you became a Saints fan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but after after he dipped and left, I just uh, stayed a Saints fan for a little bit just because uh, Drew Brees, like I thought he was a good dude. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny. It's funny that you say the Chiefs. Uh, every guest I have on a podcast, most of them always say the Chiefs. Now, I'm a Cleveland guy, born and raised, so of course I, I I'm gonna always be a Browns fan. Uh, mm -hmm. But I would I would love to see the Browns and Chiefs in the AFC Championship. Now we both know that probably won't happen. <laughs> but I've always felt myself gravitating to the Chiefs because, like you said, um, Hitchens is there, and then um, that's our teammate. I never got to play with Neiman, but I know you did, and I always just follow his career because obviously he's, he's an Iowa guy. And then um, their Pro Bowl defensive end, Frank Clark, actually went to my high school uh, in Cleveland, oh, so yeah. I, I follow him. And then the tight end, Travis Kelsey, he's from Cleveland as well. We actually played uh, against each other in basketball back in high school, like 10th grade. So um, I always follow the Chiefs closely, and like you said, they're, they, just, they just got too much firepower. <laughs> way too much yeah it's wild it's like just... i mean they already had enough in the past game and and alaire he's a good running back when they added on Le'Veon, i was like man oh just... man right it's 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 too, it's, it's too much man <laughs> so let me ask you this bro obviously since we've been adults I, really since we've been on this planet we've never seen a year like 2020 right we've never seen a pandemic we've never seen the world shut down so how have you grown at all spiritually emotionally um physically I know I, I found myself having to have pivots in so many different ways because the world shut down. So really just figuring out uh, a plan on a strategic plan on how to move forward and still try to garner some type of success. So how have you grown just in these last eight months? Like how has it been for you uh, individually? Oh yeah. I mean, for, for me, it was definitely a trial. Cause like in the beginning of it all came back home was, you know, yeah. now back at the parents' house, it's, you know, my parents, brother, sister, so like for me and my mother she is lupus so she's you know high risk 
yeah. I was just like so paranoid yeah. every time I would go out, you know, with just all the uncertainty of like really like how it spreads, how easy it spreads. Like, like, bro, there's points I was holding my breath in hallways going to my Man, room because I was so afraid to get my mom. Telling you, yeah. Did, did you and, did you try to just stay in your room for the most part? Because I know. Yeah. That, oh, yeah. I'm sure that probably gave you a lot of anxiety. Yeah, definitely. The anxiety definitely took its toll. I mean, that was the longest I think I've ever just like sat down and like laid down for hour after hour, like on yeah. repeat. Like I just, yeah. you know, watch movies, watch other things, started getting into Madden, which was definitely yeah. a problem because played that too much. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, it was just like definitely a different change for me, anxiety, everything. But once things started really getting nice, it was just good that I was able to, you know, I, I got to say that I'm blessed with where my parents are. We have, you know, five, we have uh, five acres woods. We moved out. They moved okay. out from the city. So I was able to, you know, get into like meditation and like yeah, do all yeah. these things just sitting outside. And like, mm -hmm. I was walking outside acting like nature man in my bare feet in the grass, <laughs> like just really trying just, to like, just becoming just one, myself. becoming one with yourself kind of. Yeah, like it was just a time to really like hone it in, ground yourself and just really kind of just embrace and acknowledge what was going on. Because I, I did a lot of reading, too. And mm -hmm. that was just the big thing of like guys like Tony Robbins and uh, all these big motivational speakers, Les Brown, like they're like, you just got to kind of accept what is and just mm -hmm. do what you can in the moment, not try to fight the telling current you. and get back to where you were. I'm telling you, and, right. <laughs> oh, so that was huge. So a lot of, a lot of awakening for me. How about you? Yeah. Man, for me, uh, kind of, kind of the same thing. Uh, just, I, for me, I just really had to figure out a strategic plan on just because, you know, I was in LA for the most part, um, as an entrepreneur, I was pursuing entertainment. I was doing some other entrepreneur things on the side. So when everything shut down, every, a, a lot of different ways that I was making money out there shut down. So I had to kind of pivot and kind of figure out, I mean, I, you know, I had worked in finance for six years in Atlanta before I moved to LA, uh, but I wanted to kind of get away from that and kind of be more of a, a creative, uh, like, a, like a creative artist. But yeah, I had to just kind of come up with a strategic plan, really talk with my team, my agents, my managers at the time that I had out in LA and just kind of just, like you said, figure it out. I've, I've always been big on meditation and, um, you know, writing things down, journaling and things like that. I've been really on that spiritual wave the last like five years, but I had to tap into it even more. I mean, I had time to go visit my family. I had some family in Arizona and get back home to Cleveland, visit some family. So that was, I, re I really needed that family time, right? To kind of just take a step back and just uh, yeah. realize that, you know, really family is the most important thing. Uh, I think ever since I left Iowa, I've always just been on a journey, doing different things, trying different things, kind of leaving trying to trying to leave no stone unturned just trying things see what i like and stuff like that yeah. so it really just made me like you know take it take a step back take a deep breath and just really uh like 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 we talked about earlier just become a little one more one with myself mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah definitely man last so last take bro obviously we're both university of iowa alumni we played there and you know we left the Hawkeyes. what's your take on you know first the racial disparity issues that came out in june and then i saw a powerful picture today or yesterday um that Kirk you know that coach Ferentz allowed 29 players uh you know they decided to kneel um during the Northwestern game last last Saturday and I thought I mean I stared at that picture for like at least five minutes because I couldn't believe it you know Captain Kirk is like it's kind of always yeah. it, I've always felt like 
I just feel like when I was there, I don't, I just don't think that would have happened. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I think with everything happening this year with the racial disparities, not just at, in Iowa, but racial injustice in general, I think he kind of opened up his mind. The whole coaching staff kind of opened up their mind. They, they, they've allowed the players to kind of have more of a say so in how they, you know, want to run, run things in the program. But of course, we know mm-hmm. Coach, Coach France is old school. He's going to do, you know, what he do, what he does. But I was, I, I definitely want to hear your take on that, bro. Yeah, no, I mean, for the one thing for me was I always kind of like had just a just an awkward feeling in the beginning so much where I honestly, for me, I felt intimidated by Ferentz. Like my first couple of years, I, I felt like I couldn't even talk to him. Right. Doyle was a guy who just like, you know, like would randomly mess with me, but like was just always like cracking jokes about my dad and like, you know, right. just the same old stuff, but just saying right. stuff where also you know react overreacting over something so mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. i remember there was just one point for me where you know i just didn't like so much like the pick and choose and where i'm a i'm a fifth year dude getting kicked out of the weight room getting screamed at because i did five extra pounds on my bulgarian deadlift but you know i killed it I smashed yeah, it. like yeah, if yeah, i smashed. did it and like because someone else was using the what was on the card so yeah. if if i like struggled and didn't mm-hmm. do the X mm-hmm. or just like said like f you like that's mm-hmm. one thing but like you know plenty of guys have added at five extra pounds two yeah, and a half like that's it's, nothing it's funny dude i used to do that all the time and he used to like make a joke like oh strong man strong guy but it's literally i, I think it's just about like how he was feeling that day probably <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah and that's yeah. a problem where like right before the lift he was even saying like guys like bob sanders and dallas clark they did extra so i'm like you're kicking me out for doing extra like I don't exactly. get what you want from me. And like, you're making, you're now just doing it to make a point in a scene and from, from, from me in front of everyone else. Cause you know, just other, just past issues. But that's yeah, a point yeah. where I was just like, whatever happened, happened. I was just happy to see, like you said, Ferentz did at least make some steps where they mm-hmm, said they mm-hmm. brought all the players in and they brought X players in and really mm-hmm. tried to do a full sit down and talk mm-hmm. and, then create almost like a player union of mm-hmm, action mm-hmm. uh, current players. But mm-hmm. and what you said too, yeah, to see that picture of him, of uh, 29 guys it. kneeling, yeah. one of the coaches saw LeVar, you know, it's like, it, it is very powerful. And if you, same thing, if you were to ask me if we tried that, I feel like we, it wasn't a slide. Come on, bro. Now <laughs> with on. everything going on, yeah. with that momentum, now it's kind of just put in that place. It's it's like, time, All right, this yeah. is real. This is now, and it's like let's you know let's take a stand on it. So definitely happy to see the young men and the coaches who uh, yeah. took part in, again. Just fans for even letting mm-hmm. them. And all the all the Zoom meetings that I ended up being involved in were uh, mostly you know guys that we were teammates with, like Kirksey and Christian Kirksey and Sean Prater and Mike Daniels and Adam Geddes, uh James Daniels, a few other guys that you would probably know better than me because they came after I left, but, you know, their main focus on those Zoom calls were not so much to harp on what we went through. I mean, some of the stuff was kind of, was was definitely messed up and definitely kind of tarnished our experiences, but it was more so about the players now making sure that mm-hmm. they have a better experience, right? And so I yeah. think, I think all those meetings were very productive because I think, you know, they're, they're allowed to have Twitters and they're allowed to kneel if they want to, and they're allowed to mm-hmm. Wear, wear an earring or a hat in the building. Like it's not World War Three if, if they get caught with it, with earrings in their ear or, or wearing a hat in the building or anything like that. Because, yeah. you know, I've all, I have always felt like 
a hat or a or or an earring in your ear doesn't take away from you being a student athlete. It doesn't take away from you mm-hmm. being a Hawkeye. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, I think it's definitely they're definitely making strides for sure. No, yeah, they're they're making those changes, like you said, and and that's the point that people don't realize. They're like, oh well, there's a way of being professional, not professional. It's like, no, you're you're applying a culture of a certain standard of a certain region in the country to all mm-hmm. that come through from all around exactly. and like yeah there's a big difference of showing up late to meetings and doing this and that but like you know a guy he he comes in with half of his corn rolls done shouldn't be kicked out of the weight room because exactly. you know he, he showed up on time like exactly. that's what should matter exactly. stuff like that like Showed up on time, ready to work. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, so that's what's important. So it, it definitely is good to see them make those moves because, I mean, it's needed. And it's sad to see when uh, when the second round came through of, like, um, of uh, the other case that was just filed, you had, like, other players who were now decommitting. And that's yeah, the one yeah. thing, too, like, what you're saying is important is making sure, like, the whole leaving the jersey in a better place, we actually exactly. do it for the guys coming in that they exactly. feel comfortable right exactly. at the game. So, and it's it's crazy, bro, that you bring that up because I had to read it. I think I was a bit confused when it first came out because I thought I thought that the media released it. But after I read articles and read some interviews on it, you know, that that was supposed to be private. Like those players' names wasn't wasn't supposed to be released, but the Iowa press, the University of Iowa media press released it and it seemed like to maybe embarrass those guys or something like that. And I wanted to ask your oh, yeah. take on it because I know, you know, I never played with um, Akron Watley, but I know you, you got, you all shared the backfield together. I know you started mm-hmm. for the Rose Bowl team in the Rose Bowl, but I know that you kind of probably got a better inside look on how that running back room was just the or from the day, from day to day. Like, because I don't really know what kind of guy Wally was from the outside looking in. He seemed like a solid throw guy. He was a hell of a player, but mm-hmm. I think you would know better than me. And it seemed like they were trying to kind of like embarrass those guys because all the all of the um, podcasts that I hear out in Iowa centered around the football team, that's what they're doing. It's kind of like they're like making more of a joke of it. Like, how do these guys yeah. think that they can get that? And uh, and the player, this was supposed to be private, but they but the University of Iowa press media released it. So like, I know you I know you probably got a better take than me because you know some of those guys you play with some of those guys mm-hmm. so you could probably go back to some of those days because I don't know I don't know the, I don't know the aura of the locker room or how it was yeah so what's your take no, on I'm, that? yeah I mean it's just definitely hard for one for that conversation to occur as you said like if it's something that was supposed to be private and dealt privately it shouldn't not find itself anywhere online because again that's just them trying to get more of an like a A negative connotation yeah yeah so make it seem non-legitimate so it's right off right off the bat it's like yo they're trying to get this money it's these guys like Mm -hmm. do you take these guys serious like that shouldn't be a question it's sitting at the facts of what was stated and what was heard because i mean that's the thing i don't know everything that act Akram did mm-hmm. but like he has told me times that you know we how much he didn't feel comfortable and like you know guys like you know Brian Farron supposedly like giving him extra hours of community service for no reason yeah. like things like that and like he and he would tell me these things so it's mm-hmm. just like it is hard to believe and that was something that was already in question yeah but you know, I didn't get to read. I didn't like read all their statements or everything like that. But just the fact of what you said, like if it, if it's supposed to be private, it's got to stay private. Because again, like 
the, yeah. what's, what's their reason for putting the names out there exactly. rather than trying to make them seem like clowns and that they're just trying to reach so now exactly anybody ever to say their name exactly because on the my, page, yeah and and i could i totally agree with that and i can attest to what you said because it's like if they if that was supposed to be private and you are really wanted to handle it privately you could have reached out to those guys and maybe figured out a middle path on maybe bringing all those guys in and seeing seeing how maybe giving it I'm telling them about a networking event or telling them about maybe company, some companies is hiring, really just try to help them along their adult journey. But instead, like you said, by making it uh, public, it's li the, literally the only reason you would make that public is to embarrass those guys. So mm -hmm. I can only imagine one, what those guys had to go through to at least have the courage to, to you know, do what they did, but then for it to go public, it's like, I, yeah. can, only, I can only imagine, you know, what, what they're going through. So I. I'm really, I really don't, I, I'm oh, not, yeah. I don't really know like where it goes from here. I guess yeah. we'll just see. Cause the point really is like we touched on is the privacy aspect. Like again, whether or not their claims are false, whether or not they are reaching and just trying to get money, whether or not what their reasons are for, you know, submitting this file, this lawsuit, mm -hmm. the point is it should be decided through the right people, through the right, right investigation, mm -hmm. not by the masses. So exactly. you putting it out there instantly, everybody's just going to defend, you know, the university of say, course, oh, these course. guys just want this crazy money. Da, da, da. And like, you know, yeah, I mean, for me, even personally, I was like, wait, what are they asking for? But still, the point is that all should have been kept private. I don't like right. I don't need to know lawsuits right. of things that going on with my without that doesn't have like my exactly. name attached to me so exactly and it's so like I mean, yeah and it's like you know i was um we were we were teammates for one year you were a freshman my senior year but i was teammates for a few years with with Cavante, mark mainly mm -hmm. and you know he ended up being the school's all-time leading receiver like but before yeah. him um bjk was so it's like i felt like Cavante left on good terms like you know what i mean so mm -hmm. For him to be a part of that is kind of like you i mean you got to at least hear his side right because yeah he he obviously went through something after that for him to feel like that right especially mm -hmm. especially leaving the school the all-time lead receiver yeah and like the one thing too that was it, it kind of even hit on both sides like even if not even being an african-american like i mean it to be honest, yeah, I did feel like, oh, if you weren't from the Midwest, you were looked a little bit different. But like once I finished when I was coming back, that's when I really started to come closer to like uh, Kirk Ferentz and mm -hmm, other coaches mm -hmm. and really started to like get to know them more. Mm -hmm. But um, there was a lot of guys who told me they just didn't feel comfortable returning, didn't feel comfortable coming back, didn't feel exactly. like they could come back to the university and just like come exactly. through the you know facility like exactly. that's an issue. I, yeah, and I and and I was one of those guys. I mean, I came back, I think maybe 2014 for the homecoming game. Uh, mm -hmm. But like you said, I I never even reached out to try to maybe get a workout in um, at the at the you know at the football facility or maybe try to get a sideline pass. And 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 I left on good terms. I graduated. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I started my senior year. Never got arrested. Never got in trouble. Never been on academic probation. None of those things. I I think I was a pretty good teammate and all those things. But like you said. For whatever reason, guys just don't feel comfortable. Like I didn't, I wasn't sure if I could reach out and ask, and and they not make fun of me, or they not like like oh, they, like who who this guy think he is? Why is he asking me? Da, 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 da. I, I just mm -hmm. wasn't sure. And and I think a lot of you know minority former minority players, they're going to be on the safe side and just either not come out 
I mean, not reach out or if they do come back, just, you know, stay in the stands or kind of just, you know, yeah. play it back when you really kind of want to be a part of a program, you know, post in your post career, you know, that you gave blood, sweat and tears for, for four to five years. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, for sure. And that, and the big thing is, it's like, yeah, I'm like we said, we're starting to see it now. We've mm -hmm. definitely, mm -hmm. you know, changed in a lot of ways at Iowa, but you know, it was looking at like other schools, not so much in the comparison of like the morality of like the facility itself or like the team it's and, and its nature. But when I would talk to other guys at other schools, it just seemed a little more fun, like chill, exactly. like they got to, you know, dress up, swag out the guys exactly. that, you know, didn't have the pressure of being two pounds less or overweight on mondays like right, guys right. like and, and it's like you know didn't have to drink and chug shit <laughs> to the point you want to throw up to make exactly. weight like exactly like and 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 a lot of people say like oh well that's weak that you guys didn't make that i'm telling you i tried mm -hmm. i am terrible like lactose intolerant i drink all different types of shakes tried them all they all went right through me and i yeah. was vocal about it several times but like Doyle even made comments to my father that he told me like, oh, well, I know when Jordan's dedicated when he's on his weight. Mm. You know how many times I was down in them stupid granola bags trying to make weight, like get <laughs> eating, like it just wasn't happening. But as soon right. as I finished Iowa, I shot up at 205 when mm -hmm. I was doing NFL camp. So it's mm -hmm. like, you know, sometimes, you know, we all ain't the same, but mm -hmm. we just, you know, we're kind of treated like that at some points. But like, like exactly. I said, I think they're definitely made for the better. And definitely, I, man, I, I couldn't agree more. And, I, and I'm excited for the current players. I think, you know, their experience will be a lot different, but, you know, it's for the better. So let's uh, dive into your childhood, bro. I know you're from Troy, New York. So what was the culture like there? I'm not exactly sure where that is in New York. Is that by New York City or Long Island or where, like how far is that by? It's about uh, it's two and a half hours up north. It's um, across the Hudson River from the capital, okay. Albany. So like, okay, the people call it like the Tri City area. It's like my city, Troy, Albany, the capital, and then Schenectady too. And we're just like all in a triangle around the Hudson. So okay, I got you. Um, I mean, for me personally, and where I was from, my school, we only had one guy. I think go to like a D one A school. And he went to Michigan State, this guy, Jason Deal, D-lineman, or offensive lineman, I think. And uh, just knee surgery after knee surgery, never got to play, but has, like, still, I think he still has some lifting records. So, like, okay. it, it was, like, to see a guy like that make it, but then still at the same point, like, was cut short for him. Um, it was it was just like inspiring to me but for me and a guy my size you know i was skinny i was i was i kind of got tall a little quick went five eight five nine like when i was young but like okay. i just stayed skinny and every single coach i had when i was in modified was like stop running like that you won't be able to run like that at the next level of jv <laughs> did it in jv they're like don't run like that you won't be able to run like that when you go in varsity so i never got brought up I was a freshman sitting there like, I think I should be on varsity, but coaches would look and see how I ran and be like, you can't do that at this next level. Varsity is going to be too hard. Mm -hmm. So I was always kind of being like pushed down by my coaches, like older ones. But then when I was on varsity, I, I was running the same way. And they let me go wild. But, uh, and, but then it happened again when it came to colleges. Like a lot of, like I said, not many guys made it big. Most people in my area went D3, some D2, D1 double A, 
was the U Albany Great Danes by me at the Capitol, and like that was the big school for people to go to. And I was like, mm. no. But um, I just I just always felt like I could do more. I was traveling yeah. to camps, Ohio. I I went to a couple of camps in uh, Steubenville, Cleveland, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. So talk, like, Maslin, Maslin. okay, yeah, and that's um, that's that's different. Like you said that all the guys in your neighborhood, you know, not too many guys went D1. So talk about like when you really started coming into your own in probably like ninth or 10th grade and you started getting all those letters and you started uh, getting recruited. Um, how did that feel just starting to become into your own to the point where it was like, like you said, all those coaches in your past kept telling you like, hey, stop running like that. It's not going to work. And you kind of stayed true to yourself and kept playing hard, running hard to the point where you started to become, you started getting recruited by bigger schools. Like just talk about kind of that transition. Well, I mean, yeah, even, even on that road, it was kind of tough where I was like playing well. I was, I was having the games I needed, the stats I needed. I was, you know, winning the awards and stuff, but like I would have like D3 schools coming in, still looking me up and down and be like, sorry, you're too small me like putting weights in my pants like when they'd weigh me because I was nervous D3 like schools. Yeah, wow. yeah, I, D3 schools tell me I and you know sorry no but once the bigger schools got involved in everything that's when like I was like wait really is this a thing because like all I've been hearing is that like I'm not good enough but mm-hmm. um I mean there was one thing that I won't forget with Doyle and I tell all my kids now that I teach and train and like that's one thing I told people about Doyle too. I was like, you know, like we might have our differences and like, I didn't agree with a lot of the ways he treated guys, but like he knew what he was doing. He he knew what he's doing as a strength coach and that, you know, you want to just make sure you have the talent rather than just like brute strength, because that's what coaches want to see. They want to see you can actually ball. If you're big exactly. and strong also, obviously that's great, but like, exactly. that's what set them apart. Doyle's like, we can put the weight on you. The D3 schools, they want to make sure you're the full package because they don't believe in their program like that. And I was like, oh, well, you know, that's fine by me. But even teams like Syracuse, our state championship was in the Carrier Dome in Syracuse. The coach said he'd be there, didn't show up. I had a 232 in like three touchdowns, killed it. We lost, but like I had a good game. Yeah. No one was there. They offered another running back that ended up getting arrested and lost a scholarship, but then they reached back out. But like wow. it was still, I'd say like still trials of like coaches being like, uh, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. So did that experience and all that, did that like kind of put a battery in your back? Like, okay, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna show you. I'm like I'm I'm gonna show you what I'm capable of. Yeah, no, because, I mean, I was always – I had good support of, like, my father bringing me out to different combines. But, like like I said, I was going to these masculine combines alone. These dudes were in groups, all dudes from different schools in Ohio. I was by myself. I was going to camps in Pennsylvania, you know, Connecticut, all by myself. So I was like, you know what, I'm used to people doubting, and I'm just going to keep – So it, it excited me. Yeah, it excited me when people were telling me not to. And then when it came down to it towards the end, I decommitted from Villanova. I had a lot of schools that they recruited me late. So they were telling me to go to a prep school and they'd pick me up, give me a scholarship the next year. But Iowa, James White decommitted. So that's how the running back scholarship came up. Ferentz called me over the phone, offered, and I took it. So. so it was between, well, James White uh, that ended up going to Wisconsin. He was committed to Iowa, and then he decommitted went to Wisconsin. And so they offered you after that. Yeah, that's what okay. I think happened. And okay. uh, and uh, were you I mean, like super excited because you said you were already committed to the Nova? 
Because, you know, it's crazy. Yeah. That's his, yeah. um, Mike Daniels, defensive tackle. You know, he's still in the league playing. The same thing happened to him. He was committed to Villanova mm-hmm. out of New Jersey. And then Io offered him at the at the last minute, and he decommitted and yeah. went there. And then I think it also happened with uh, the cornerback, uh, Greg Castillo. Castillo, okay. I think. Greg, yeah, yeah Greg Castillo. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so it was wild and it was different. But like at that point, my last two decisions were between UConn, smaller school, closer to home or Iowa. Mm-hmm. And everybody was telling me, Jordan, I mean, Iowa is great. But if you go there, you probably won't play until your fourth year, your third, fourth year. Yeah. And, and UConn is so closer. Though, yeah, I'll play right away, maybe. Mm-hmm. So again, I re- I was stuck at another decision of people doubting me. So I was like, I'm going to Iowa. And, you know, mm-hmm. uh, got to play freshman year so th- that was a good thing it was just a lot of a lot of opportunity that i was able yeah. to prove people wrong from a and small it, smaller city so exactly exactly yeah and uh you know it's, it's crazy because um that was actually i was going to segue into my next question talk about kind of your transition from you know uh high school new york football and obviously you were all set your junior senior division player of the year your junior year as well i mean you know a lot of different accolades and I, and I remember, obviously, I was a senior when you were a freshman when you came in 2011. And like you said, so many things happened. I think Marcus Koga was a starter. He ended up like getting mm-hmm. kicked off the team or something like that. And like you said, you ended up playing. And I remember my last year, my last game versus Oklahoma in the Insight Bowl, you, you started yeah. that game. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Yeah. So I, like, I think I was 172 pounds. <laughs> super, super small. <laughs> but uh, so mm-hmm. just talk about that transition. I mean, obviously, we were teammates, so – I mean, I thought you did a good job transitioning. Like, you know, like you seem like you were a great teammate. You never did too much. You always just kind of did what you were told. And I'm sure that you came into your own as you got older, but you were an 18-year-old guy. So just talk about that oh, yeah. transition, how hard it was. You, you know, you were living at Hillcrest and you were playing. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, just, just from being so far from home, it kind of definitely made you grow up faster. Mm-hmm. So, um I remember, like, I was just dedicated, you know, doing the morning workouts. It was a good thing with, like, in high school, our coach was making us do the AMs, too, so I was used to the hour. But I would just say the biggest part of it was just really trying to understand it all, at least, like, so, like on different on a, wavelengths of just yeah, getting this down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Where I was, and it definitely helped that, you know, I had a great role model coming in, James White. Mm-hmm. He, as soon as I came in, he told me this, and then I told the running backs under me, he was like, I don't want to play over you because you don't know what you're doing. I want to mm-hmm. play over you because, like, I'm actually better than you. So, like, mm-hmm. I'm here to, if you have a question, ask me. If you need mm-hmm. to know a play, ask me. Like, I'm going to make sure you know the playbook because, you know, it's he was you know the guy preaching next man in so like mm-hmm. he was definitely a good role model to come in and i you know preach exactly what he taught me to the guys yeah. underneath me when they came in but that was just the motive i was like all right when i come in i'm gonna have all the plays down i'm gonna do mm-hmm. this i'm gonna do that like mm-hmm. i remember even sometimes like it's and it's not like to shoot him down or nothing but i was i remember sometimes like even marcus would be like yo what, what was this play again i'd be oh yeah did it like i just made yeah. sure i knew it all yeah, yes, and, yeah, so you were that, you were very yeah. knowledgeable, and I'm sure that played um, a part or dividends in them kind of entrusting you at such a young age to give you a shot. Yeah, no, I I think so, 100. Yeah. percent Because like me, I mean DeAndre Johnson, physically he was he was bigger than me. He was, I think he had a quicker pro agility, quick left and right. Like he mm-hmm. was there. We had Damon Bullock. Like we had mm-hmm. other guys that definitely could have stepped in, but like. Mm-hmm. 
I think I was granted that position because I proved that I at least wouldn't mess up. That I yeah, yeah, you at least knew what you were doing. Yeah, yeah. And that's what I preach to all these kids all the time now. And like that's that's the coolest thing to me, honestly, for just my journey is being able to kind of like pass the torches. Mm -hmm. Every time I talk to new kids, I start off saying the same thing. I'm like, look at me. I ain't the tallest. I ain't the biggest, but. I just made sure that, you know, no matter what people said, I believed in myself and just pushed myself to the point that I was able to accomplish what I did. Right, so, right. And uh, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, um, um, that's dope that you can, like, like we said at the beginning, just kind of try to push the next culture forward, push the next generation forward. So talk about just your whole Iowa experience, your whole four years, right? You come in, you play your freshman year. I think we ended up being like eight and five, kind of a decent year, my senior year, your freshman year. Then you all had the down year. I think you were four and eight in 2012. Mm. I'm sure that was a lot to deal with, right? Um, Iowa Hawkeye fans, Hawkeye Nation had never saw Kirk France have a losing season since like in the back in the 90s. And mm. so then you all bounced back in 2013. You go to the Outback Ball. I think you play LSU. You ended yeah. up nine, nine and four that year. And then obviously to bounce back like you did your senior year and you know you guys are big 10 running rubs you i think you get to what 11 12 and 0 before the big 10 championship um i think all of us playing football since we were what seven eight years old we all want to play in the granddaddy of them all we all want to play in the rose bowl and for you to get there and be the starting running back in the rose bowl and also i'm um, still hold the university of iowa um, record for most carries in the game with 43. I mean, just talk about all those ups and downs, like, you know what I mean? All that transition yeah. from eight and five to four and eight to nine and four to 12 and two and big 10 mm -hmm. championship and Rose Bowl. Just try to try to put that whole experience in one statement if you can. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, it was definitely a journey, but the cool thing about it was just the guys that I was able to experience and work with like mm -hmm. it was it was like you know just to be honest like my freshman year with guys of like your class like it was more like surreal looking up to y'all because y'all were like the seniors so mm -hmm. you still kind of had that subliminal feeling of like all right well you know I I can't do much yet I'm just a freshman like I right. can't be a part of much yet like I'm a freshman I gotta earn my way in so it's just mm -hmm. like you know kind of read between the lines certain thing but like once I was getting involved sophomore year tore my ACL. So during that four oh, and eight season, that. it was a blessing in disguise that that's where I got my medical red shirt. And that okay. actually okay. allowed me to be in the 2015 team mm. since I played freshman year. So it gave me that did, extra year. Did you tell you, was it early in the season or during the season or yeah. during the summer? So or? It, was, it was spring. It was the first, first spring practice after that 2011 season. And I remember oh, okay. his first, first day of pads, uh, uh, going against the defense and inside run. And I went to make a cut against Anthony Hitchens and uh, tore my ACL. But like I said, it was a, it was a blessing in disguise because, okay. you know, got that extra year. And it was just another moment even for me to prove myself. Like they told me I was one of the fastest ACL recoveries they had. And I was practicing at like four and a half months because wow. I was just like, you know what, I'm proving people wrong. I'm constantly being there and I was doing mm -hmm. my thing. And you know, I just wanted to get on the field again because for someone where I was from, this was just so huge for me. So I didn't exactly. want to let it go to win. Exactly. Again, lesson in disguise. Mark Weissman, he did his thing, became his uh, legend, <laughs> Mark Weissman, right, yeah. the Heisman. So yeah, 2013, being able to, you know, really like me, him and Damon played a role with just like really helping each other out. And we had a three back system and mm -hmm. um, 
it was it was definitely good. We had re- really good chemistry. Mark's a great guy. Damon, love him. You know, miss him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, rare, um, yeah, rest in peace, him. Yeah, Damon. For some reason, out of all the younger guys, Damon really really stood out to me. I, I because I, I may continue to rest peacefully, but when he first got there. For some reason, he just really, we just gravitated towards each other. I used to give him rides all the time. And, and mm. like, he used to always want to come to my apartment and just, just hang out, chill out. I guess we were kind of from the same um, kind of like environment. So we kind of just, yeah. just just hit it off when he first got there. So it was de- definitely uh, unfortunate kind of, you know, what happened. Mm. And, you know, you know, he was still really young and still had a lot of life to live. But I know, you, I'm sure you had a lot of cool experiences with, with you all sharing the backfield. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, I mean he—he's definitely by far. I'll be telling stories of that I've done, like you know, yeah. practices with him, moments with him to my grandkids. Like, yeah, yeah, he, he was just a great guy, great person, funny, yeah. easy to get along with. So, you know that. like I said, definitely miss him. But yeah, that—that sure, yeah. that was a big thing. Meeting guys like him, meeting guys that just through the program, where I—I I really remember. 2013, you know, we had our losses that suck. 2014 had our losses that suck, but I was able to play more of a role. But the one thing that I remembered was 2014, where those were the guys I came in with as freshmen that played right away like I did. Leave a lot of those guys missing. Guys like Kirksey and Morrison, like a lot in Hitch, and like guys that were finally leaving that like I was with for a couple years too. So I I thought that that season ended way too short. And like we, for the way that that season ended, the games that were so close that we lost, that team deserved more. So it was like that was kind of our driving method into the next phase into that 2015 season was like, we don't want to go through that because these guys. I remember they were breaking lifting records. They were doing this, doing that. And then like, we still fell short in time. Mm-hmm. So we were like, all right, well, they set the standard real high. So now what are we going to do? And right now, now we got to go higher. <laughs> mm-hmm. And all yeah. I remember was, you know, we were just real close. Freshmen to seniors, we're all close. We're all mm-hmm. nice, tight knit. Tight knit, you know, yeah. Uh, we, you know, went by that book, The Slight Edge, doing the little daily things, right? And like, it definitely helped out. I thought it was huge. Uh, just mm-hmm. the motive, just the the energy that we had, the style, mm-hmm. like right away when we beat, you know, Iowa State first trophy game, we all held hands going across the stadium, going across the field and like that changed. Okay, so, like, okay, yeah, yeah. We really unified. So, like, yeah, that's yeah, you were really tight knit, nice. yeah. So, yeah, we just definitely felt that wave and like even going through it, it just felt so surreal. Like, and yeah. even when we hit that point at 12 and 0, it was just still so surreal to me. Yeah. But um, I would say like one of my takeaways of my big moments for like other than just the crazy wins, other than, you know, the celebrating in the locker room with the boys and mm-hmm. you know that downtown, like, you know, that's always going to be good. You know that. But um, <laughs> there was one thing that a lot of people didn't know, and it was the last home game senior day against Purdue. Um, my dad after the game, he just comes up. He's like, you know what you just did, and I was like, well, I don't know. We're we're eleven and zero. He's like, no, but do you know what you just did? I'm like, I don't know. Like, I don't care. Like, what? He's like, your last, my last handoff ever in Kinnick was a forty two yard touchdown. Wow. And he's just like that. And so it was like nice to like have that as like the last little switch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, playing man. Kinnick because. Kinnick was Kinnick was definitely fun, man. Oh, you, you know that, and and it's funny because I I got so many different friends from uh, Cleveland or just guys that I competed against in the Midwest that went to other Big Ten schools, and I've interviewed them, and they always say 
like uh, Kendrick always like stood out to them. Like they love playing the Iowa, mm-hmm. obviously because we got the pink locker room and you know, our fans are so close. So they get yeah. they get like a real experience. But even even when it's comparing Kendrick to the big house where they sit 100, 120,000, Penn State sits 110, and the shoe sits in 107,000, guys always revert back to Kendrick. It's just, it's just, it's just mm-hmm. a special place. Yeah, and a lot of people would even ask that, and I don't, I don't know if they believe me since you know I'm biased, but back home everyone asked me, "What's what was like the loudest stadium? Like, mm-hmm. like Big House must have been huge, Horseshoe must have been huge." I'm like, mm-hmm. to be honest, Iowa, like our I'm stadium, we were loud. Like we, like like you said, like we're close. The freaking stands go straight up like that. Exactly. Like, and the fans and, are have have uh, enthusiasm. They're loud and like they're really getting after it. Mm-hmm. So. So man, I, you know I know, um, like you say, just all all through your football career, you, you, you always felt like you were counted out. What did it feel like if you could try to relive the day that day when you set the record with forty three carries? Did you know that? Did you know that they, that they were working you that much, or were you just not paying attention? Or did you get tired at oh, all? No, yeah. I think it was what like two hundred forty three yards, two hundred thirty two yards, something like that, with, with forty three carries. Did you or you just the adrenaline was just rushing and you just you just yeah. going 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 or what? Oh, I definitely yeah, it was the adrenaline hundred percent because like there there were points where, especially that last drive when they handed it to me eleven times, like Farron said that he didn't even realize how many. Like I definitely didn't because <laughs> every time like they'd hand the ball off the line, you know they were just blocking their asses off, so mm-hmm. it's easier for me, but just to like get up and hear how loud the crowd was like that just you know just got my energy up and yeah, yeah. um and there was a couple times i remember like looking off to the side and like coach white running backs coach like would look and like point and like make sure i was good and i was like yeah, yeah. i'm like i'm all right i'm all right yeah, yeah, like, yeah. it was it was definitely even thinking about it still gives the chills like just from <laughs> right i already know i can't imagine yeah like knowing it was a big moment, knowing it was something we needed to do. I think we knocked off like eight minutes. Like, mm-hmm. so it was, it was definitely huge. But um, the one thing that was funny too was uh, that was my first, that first and only home game that friends from New York got to come out to. Oh, wow. So, so they uh, probably, they probably, they probably was going bananas. <laughs> oh yeah. After that 75 yard touchdown, I, I, I would be lying if I didn't say as soon as that happened and I hit the end zone, I was like, Oh, all right, cool. Like, cause now, now I look good in front of my people. Cause the last time they came out to a game was 2013. The closest to home was Maryland. And I okay. sprained my ankle first quarter okay. after a couple of good runs. So they didn't get to see much. Right. So right. 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 Happy. So yeah, I know you were happy about that huge difference. Yeah. Oh yeah. Huge difference, but yeah, it was, it was definitely, and just a great game too. I mean, uh, a lot of back and forth. I remember Lomax was rocking mm-hmm. people. Like it, it was, mm-hmm. it was a fun one. So. Yeah. So I know that the Rose Bowl obviously didn't end, um, you know, how you all wanted to, but still just the, just to be able to, the nostalgia, just to be able to play in that game. Did anything stand out to you in bowl print? Because I, you know, when, when when we really think about it, right, it's only four BCS uh, bowl games. Well, now it's five because, you know, it's a national, they have the national championship. They have two rounds. But I just remember, you know, when I was playing 2009, there, there were only four BCS bowl games per year. And yeah. we lost in the Big Ten championship to Ohio State. They went to the Rose Bowl. We went to the Orange Bowl. We still went to a BCS bowl. But 
I think that we we're just extremely blessed humans. And I think when we're in that grind, it's not a big deal. But as you get older and you look back on things, man, do you know how many people in this world would have loved to play in a BCS bowl game? <laughs> and and yeah. me the Orange Bowl, you the Rose Bowl. So I know that you all battle, you know, you all battle Stanford. They had uh, McCaffrey and Christian McCaffrey and all those guys. But mm -hmm. did, did, did anything stand out to you during just that bowl prep? Just did you ever had like five seconds to just take it all in or when you maybe when you first got to the stadium when you first got to the coliseum yeah. just kind of believing like wow this is like the rose bowl <laughs> i mean it was it was sadly more at the end like after the loss because mm -hmm. it was like for me personally i was my ankle was still hurting from the big 10 championship when i had the other high ankle sprain and okay you know they i just told them shoot me up with whatever we got and put me yeah. out there but like i knew i wasn't 100 percent was it playing 100 percent. even when i was like looking back watching film i was like why am i lining up at eight and a half yards and like doing things i normally didn't do nine yards but like that was more of my focus in the beginning i was like man i should have made this cut or like i should have yeah why yeah. didn't why didn't anyone tell me to move up like i was yeah. more frustrated with what happened mm -hmm. but i do remember um even though doyle ruined it for me and was like jordan come on he just wanted to get us all inside but i remember like after we like went over to the other side said uh good game to the players i went up to mccaffrey and i was like yo bro like you're gonna be good like do your thing bro mm -hmm. love to you and and i just and, while we're and all look, starting look at him to, now <laughs> yeah oh yeah so you know he definitely did his thing and but uh when we're all starting to link arms i was just standing there and like looking at the confetti fall of like from our fans seeing all the fans that gave a standing ovation and mm -hmm. like none left everyone right. stayed in the stadium even the big 10 championship we lost still got a standing ovation like of course it was just, like, hell of a season in that moment yeah, yeah. so it was definitely something I won't forget and and just like uh incredible feeling just uh even from the pain of a loss right, to just right. like feel bliss of like dang like I'm really here like this is really mm -hmm. happening this is like right. part of my life so right. that's definitely what I gotta you know even sometimes now it's hard looking back like dang what if this happened but oh you know that and and it's crazy yeah. because the older you get that's I, those hypotheticals are going to continue to just come in your head like man i wonder i wonder what would have happened if this would happen wonder if that would happen yeah. this would happen so yeah that's just natural man so talk about mm -hmm. after the rose bowl i'm sure you take some weeks off try to get healthy just talk about your nfl draft process were you hearing from any teams and then was it a were, were you bitter at all when the draft transpired and you didn't get picked mm -hmm. up did you already know? Because I know you went out to Elecom. I mean, you went out to Japan to play for Elecom with Sean Draper. Did you already have yeah. that opportunity on the table or did that come a months and months after the draft? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, the journey for me, like it was uh, nice to get an agent. And then again, even that moment was surreal for me and just the whole process. But mm -hmm. I knew it was good for me, at least like I knew what I had to do. Like my agent's like, all right, obviously as a running back, you want to get your pro agility by this time. You want to get your 40 under this, this, and this. It's like all these X's and O's. And the week before the pro day, I pulled my hamstring a little bit, tweaked it so I had to wrap it up. And I even remember after my first 40 run, I went up to um, I went up to one of the uh, trainers and I was just like, I don't think I can do it. And they're like, you sure? Like, we're going to have to go tell all the scouts. And as soon as I said it, I was like, nah, I got to I gotta just bear what I got to keep pushing. But 
um like i got all my numbers i got Mm -hmm. everything i needed did better than what i even thought i would do in some points and Mm -hmm. um so in the beginning i did have a lot of teams reaching out i remember at one point i had like at least i think 14 teams in my phone or 12 like i was excited i thought like it was making it i remember i was back home training like Arizona Cardinals call me, Panthers call me, and my boys wow. are like, "Oh wow, like he's really doing this." And like, so yeah, I yeah, was yeah. confident, and, yeah. and that was the thing that sucked. Where I didn't know that my injuries would play a role, um, and especially my senior year, I missed. And I wish, I wish somewhat that was also put in consideration too. The fact that like senior year, I had two eye ankle sprains, and I missed. Um, the Northwestern game. Cause I got hurt early in the first quarter, I think, or second quarter. So I missed the whole rest of the Northwestern game, missed Indiana, missed Maryland, came back for Purdue and Nebraska, got hurt first quarter versus uh, Michigan uh, state. So that's four games. And I still rushed for nine eighty, and like, I missed four full games. So I was like, I had the potential and then, you know, the, the injuries definitely hurt me. Yeah. I think before I got injured at Northwestern, I was leading, I was tied in the country for touchdowns. I was leading the big 10 and rushing in touchdowns. And mm-hmm. so I was like having the season for me yeah. and I was really excited. But once the injuries happened, I knew it would hurt me in the NFL. So yeah, those high angle sprains is hard to come back from. I got oh, one my yeah. senior year. I missed like two or three games. Mm-hmm. And they yeah. say it's, it's like worse. Like you'd rather break your, your ankle than freaking tell that you. stuff. Right. It's, that's, that's terrible. So, but, uh, so you yeah, heard, so you were hearing from 13, 14 teams and then, when they came, they just heard from nobody or how did that go? Yeah. I even had, I knew it wouldn't be the first or second day. I assumed it'd be third day. And um, I even had the Browns call me the morning of saying that they were picking me up. Like they were wow. like, we think fifth, maybe six, but like, we're definitely going to pick you up. Wow. And the one thing that sucked too, like I said to my parents, I was like, I don't want no party. I'm, we're going to this sports bar. It's just me and the boys. Like, yeah, it's like, yeah family can come if they want that's it like i don't want to make it a big thing i'll roll up there they got my highlights playing on the tvs freaking like little pop-ups me family friends people all over news channel station whole thing whole thing like yeah so when nobody called i was like devastated like i know everyone's sitting there staring at me and i'm like super embarrassed and yeah i I know that was embarrassing yeah went back to my hotel room like i cried and won't lie about that but then uh my agent hit me up and was like, we got a, a rookie mini uh, camp tryout with the Chiefs. So mm-hmm. I was like, all right, bet. Again, another opportunity to prove people wrong. Mm-hmm. Freaking first day in camp with them. Killed it. I had a couple really good runs. I had one spin move that even the coach was like, damn. Like, and even the other, yeah. like, all the running backs. And they were like, damn, bro. Like, all right. Yeah. But a couple plays later, they hit me on a screen. While I'm going to catch the ball, a defender pushed the lineman into my hand, hit my finger like perfect, and boom, freaking broke my fourth metacarpal. Oh, my uh, goodness. So, like, broke my hand first day. Didn't oh, tell anybody. Playing, finished yeah. the first two days. Yeah. And, um, Luckily, like they said, they're like, well, we're full at roster running back, but like we did this for an IR position. So right now we have you number one at IR. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right, bet that's something. And so then went to the Cleveland Browns, mm-hmm. didn't tell anyone I broke my hand, kept mm-hmm. playing with it, literally felt like a freaking knife was stabbing me in my hand. But oh my same God. scenario, same situation, same outcome. They said number one on the reserve. Wow. So two, two rookie mini camps back to back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so it went well. 
I finally got the surgery and then uh, for my hand, because I knew I was like, all right, got a couple weeks, like should be fine for before any teams call back. L.A. Rams call, say they dropped a running back. Swan to sign a guy tomorrow. They're like, can you come? We're bringing two other guys. I cut my cast off at the bar, wasn't able to work out for a week because of the surgery. So I went there, didn't tell them. Yeah, they saw my hand. They were like, "What's this?" So it's like, "Oh, it's old. Like you could take the stitches out." Took the stitches out. Luckily, oh my but, uh, but sadly, you took, you took sadly, all the chance. You took all the risk. <laughs> yep, I, I put it all out there. But uh, sadly, uh, right after the tryout, the coaches right away were like, "You're going home. You're going home, guy. You stay." So before I even made it back to the dorm. And Lomax was there. Um, uh, Louis Trinka Passat was there. I even mm-hmm. saw Drew Ra walking by. So I was like, was able to talk to some of those guys. It was cool. And mm-hmm. I think Andrew Donnell was there too. But um, uh, my agent called me, was like, hey, they called me, told me they loved you, but the team doctor wouldn't clear you for another month because of your hands and they need somebody now. So missed yeah. out on that. Yeah. Went out to Japan, bitter, wanted to be in the NFL. So I was oh, like, you know. You know, yes. Yeah. What? Second what? So, torn ACL. So it, it, it was. Oh, so I never, I never knew you tore ACL in Japan. So when you got the Japan opportunity, was there, were, were you, was there any anxiety at all? Just because I'm sure, you know, you know, you didn't really know the landscape of Japan or the infrastructure there, and and you know they got a different currency, they speak a different language, or you were kind of just. You know, you you had already had all those those NFL tryouts and all those different chances, yeah. and and for whatever reason things continue to not work out. So, or, or so, were you just ready to kind of get out the country and kind of do something different? Yeah, like I I, I mean, like I'm very outgoing and spontaneous. So, like I love Japan, even just from you know the anime and all that stuff and mm-hmm. samurai and like you know, just from at least the history of what I've heard. So I was just like, you know what, I find. I'm excited because one, I get to see something new. Two, mm-hmm. I get to get paid. And then three, if an NFL team calls me and they want to sign me, I can go back. Exactly. But it sucked. There was one point I was sleeping, hour difference. The Jets called me. By the uh, time I woke up and was flying, I saw they signed someone else. And I was uh, like, Damn. but uh man, so but w- sadly, you say, yeah, you say you turned ACL. Yeah, was it the same ACL from college or was it the other one? Other one. Other oh, one. My Lord. So, Oh my lord. So made the decision come back to Iowa rehab from that. And sadly, mm-hmm. during that time, my agent told me that like the Chiefs called, the Browns called to like check up and he, you know. Yeah, because they like, said because they said you were first on their list on the on, on IR if the running back got hurt. Yeah. So oh, instead man. of like telling them about my knee, even though he eventually they did find out. Um, he was just like, Oh, well, he's contracted in Japan right now, but uh mm-hmm. but maybe in the spring stuff so he just a lot you know just went with it but yeah. uh yeah so it definitely sucked definitely threw some curveballs but again the second year going back to japan being out there with drape mm-hmm. it was you know great opportunity great time made a mm-hmm. lot of memories a lot yeah, of great I, friends i can only imagine bro too. I, I can only imagine and so did you have to, i know you rehab you say you rehab um you know coming back from japan then i saw you sign with like a, a team in albany for a while but i, I guess it, it didn't get off the ground what like so what happened with that what were the details for that no there it was an afl team where like uh um, we finally brought it back. We had a team in the nineties called like the firebirds. They left, went to Indiana, but like, we were finally bringing an indoor football team back. So 
they were, you know, hyping me and one of my boys up. He was offensive lineman, two home kids coming in. Like, neither of us have ever played any indoor. Mm-hmm. All the guys that were coming in that were in the camp and uh, all played before, whether it was the AFL or the NF or the NAFL or, like, whatever. Like, mm-hmm. they IFL, they played indoor, so they had the experience. So it was definitely tough trying to learn a whole new position. There wasn't a clear of running back. It was more of an offensive lineman that they throw dives to. So I had to learn the slot position. Yeah. You know, yeah the motion. Yeah. Arena football. Up, all the different arena angles, football you know? is way different, bro. I played arena football for two years. It's it's different and it yeah. ruins it ruins your body. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So sadly for me, it it just didn't work out. And they were just like, uh, well we want you to play for this team in New Jersey, you know, get the rules down, get the situation down, get more involved and get experience. And then like, we'll sign you since it's close in your hometown anyway. But I was like, you know what? I, I honestly thought they did me dirty. Cause like they were telling people I was already like good. They mm-hmm. were telling like radio stations, how they're going to use me and like different plays and special teams. And mm-hmm. even when I saw who they were had for, you know, returning the ball and stuff, I was like, yo, yeah, and I'm, I even I'm, saw, I'm way better than him. <laughs> and I even saw guys that were still on the team, older dudes that were like, "Yo, we were all surprised they they let you go. Like you were the fastest out of all the yeah. receivers." I was like, yeah. oh, "It's just the experience." So yeah. I actually took an opportunity, went to CFL, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, Saskatchewan, okay, and and uh, was killing it at that camp. And luckily, a lot of what I learned in indoor helped me for my route running mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. killing on our routes. The running back coach even came up and gave me props, mm-hmm. but I injury history mm-hmm. quarterback throws a wheel under throws me. So I had to stop guy hits me from behind my leg straightens out. And I just felt my hammy pop like three times. Pop, pop, pop. Bro, bro, how, how are you still alive today, bro? Like, I don't know. <laughs> two ACLs, a couple ankles, hamstring, man, and how, hand growing, like, how does your body feel right now? Like, do you feel like 100% or do you still have like aches and bruises and pains oh, yeah. doing certain things? Yeah, definitely aches and pains. And the worst right now for me is my shoulder. Like I made a dumb decision and wanted to kind of like end football on my terms. I played semi-pro for a year, dislocated <laughs> my shoulder for the first time. And now this thing pops out like butter, yeah, like literally yeah. Yeah. dislocated it, reaching under a table, like man. a chair the other day. Like, bro, so I got to get surgery on that too. Yeah, it's crazy, man, because I, I had never had any big injuries until – um, I remember the day it was like May 12th, 2011. Uh, and there, you know, you know how we, we max out in all our lifts before we go home for two weeks before, before we come back for summer workouts. So mm. I had maxed out on my squat, did good. Maxed out on my bench. I mean, maxed out on my hand clean, killed it. Maxed, maxed out on my snatch, killed it. Maxed out on my jerk, killed it. Last thing was my bench. And my bench was the, be- the best thing that I was good at. So I, I, I remember I had like 390 on the bar. I mean, killing it on rep seven, bro. To get it halfway up rep seven, and I could just literally feel my tendon on my my, my pectoral tendon like tear off the bone. Bro. Oh, jeez. Tore my pec. And once I got the MRI, they told me that I had a torn labrum as well. So I ended up having a torn pec mm. and a torn labrum. So they go in, fix everything. I ended up rehabbing and coming back uh, fast enough to start, uh, you know, that first game, your freshman year, uh, my senior year. 
but obviously I wasn't the same player. It took the games to get my to get my game back. But it's crazy because now I'm 31. And now I can't even, bro, when I say I can't even sleep on this shoulder, because <laughs> yeah. if I sleep on it and I and when I when I wake up, it's sleep and I can't, I can't even hardly lift my arm. So I gotta yeah. like go. I literally have to go get chiropractic adjustments just to keep everything in line. Then I gotta go to a uh a, a masseuse for deep tissue because it's a screw holding holding my pec together. So they gotta go mm. in there and dig in there to keep all the scar tissue. Yeah. So people don't understand football is such a physical game, but even when you're done, like the, like you got to do so much body maintenance just to keep your mm-hmm. body feeling at least decent. Yeah. <laughs> so I can only I'm imagine, sure you've I, had, I can only imagine what you go through. I'm sure you've had plenty of masseuses be like, geez, your muscles are tight. Like they'd be <laughs> like, yo, you got rocks in your hamstrings. I'm like, it's, it's I'm always like that. It's always. Count. Yeah. Right. I, I, I usually, I'll just give them, I just tell them at the beginning, like, Hey, I used to I play football for a, like 20 years so my body's just a little bit off so don't yeah. be alarmed <laughs> yeah a couple is uh during the year i did the semi-pro i had to go to one i freaking tell me how bad this was we didn't have anyone who could kick on the team i was doing kickoff in practice like they were like wow jordan actually has the best leg here and i was like this is only because i joked around and kicked with marshall kane in practice yeah. but um but <laughs> last rep in practice <laughs> last rep in practice i straight up kicked the ground and not the ball straight up charlie brown pull uh, something yeah. in my hip uh, so now this next time i go to this freaking uh uh masseuse lady <laughs> i'm like hey uh i'm not trying to you know get something but like can you can you massage my hip like my, my right, inner right, hip like right. can you can, can you get in there <laughs> i promise i'm not trying to get none else but like you know it's football football Right, right, right. Yeah. Man, that's that's crazy. So it's crazy that you talk about the uh, semi-pro because that was that was gonna be my next question. If you can remember, bro, for me, I remember the date, December fourth, two thousand seventeen. I remembered that was the day I told myself I'm done playing football. So, and it it was it wasn't a good day for me. I'm I'm being transparent. I'll be honest. Yeah. Uh, it, it took me a while to kind of get over it. So if you can remember the day that you consciously decided in your mind, like okay. I am completely done playing and I'm, you know, going to try to transition to the next thing. Did you have to reinvent yourself? Did you have to figure out what you were passionate about outside of football, right? Because we have been playing football for so long. If you could just kind of relive that day, if you could remember it. Yeah, no, like it it, it wasn't so much like a one vivid day, but for me, it was just uh, waves of up and down because I kind of was telling myself, especially after the semi-pro with my shoulder being shot and like, everything being shot i still wanted to play and i was even telling myself like yo i could get the surgery give it all one more year and like really try but like again in my head i was ready for to be done because i knew what just physically i didn't feel the same like, yeah, yeah yeah you know you don't feel the same it was yeah right. and um but since i was personal training and doing all these speed camps all i had was these kids like are you gonna try again coaches that were there watching like you still got it you should try again you know coaches that i was working with like like i just think you should give it one more like so i had all these people telling me to do it and to try again but like inside i knew i couldn't like at least like physically for right now because i had to get my shoulder done i get my groin done again and it was just like so it was kind of just waves where i was like can I, can I not, can I, should I, I don't yeah. know. Can, yeah. So like that, that it was definitely last year 
the beginning of last year was kind of the for me the time where I was like, you know what, I think it really is time for me to hang up the pads and you know focus on that next level. And I'll never forget this one reporter asked me, and I never had someone ask me this before. You know, we're used to the Iowa interviews and them asking us whether or not Coach Ferentz deserves a win or mm. what our color favorite color was. Like just dumb <laughs> question. Right, right. But, um, this guy was like what would you say to all the people that don't really understand what it means to like really give yourself for football? Like you have friends who, you know, through college, they were focused on their one degree, nothing else. Mm -hmm. They were focused on that job of what they wanted to do and nothing mm -hmm. else. Mm -hmm. Then when they were done with college, they were able to start that whatever beginning job or dream mm -hmm. job or mm -hmm. whatever. They mm -hmm. were able to start that process of slowly getting to where they wanted to be. Exactly. You graduated, put three, four more years into football. People don't understand it, bro. <laughs> And then now you're stuck. Like, I, I just remember I was looking at myself stuck at, you know, finally it was uh, 26 looking around mm -hmm. all my friends living in houses. And I'm mm -hmm. sitting there like, mm -hmm. what am I supposed to like? Yeah. What what's I, what what's next for me? Right. Right. Yeah. So there's definitely a big, uh, uh, big identity issue that mm -hmm. I had to go mm -hmm. through. Right? Mm -hmm. And so how I long? I'll be, I'll be honest. How, well, well, I'm going through it. Yeah. I'm sorry to cut you off. How long did it take you like after you, told yourself, okay, I need to figure out the next thing because it, it, I mean, it took me a while. It took me probably close to the year to figure out like, I mean, obviously, you know, I was already working because I was in Atlanta and, and I obviously I needed a job to, you know, pay the bills, but I was still um, on that CFL trial ground. I literally tried out for every CFL team. They were all telling me the same thing. Um, like you said, you know, should the injury strike at my extra position? Like, you know, you're, you're, you're the first guy on our list should the injury strike, but after that, never heard, never heard from it. And then I ended, like, like I talked about earlier, ended up playing two more years of arena football. So I really had to even, even kind of dig deep. I had to start therapy and I had to like dig deeper into my childhood and really to, to really just figure out what other things I like to do because I was so mm -hmm. entrenched in football. I was so like, that's really, that was really my love. That was really my passion. But I really yeah. wanted to explore what other things I was passionate about. And like you could ask any of my teammates at Iowa, if you would have told them eight or 10 years later, I, Le LeBron would have a podcast, they would be like, man, yeah, right. Cause I never used to really talk. I was real quiet. Like, mm -hmm. you know, just all those things. So was it a long process for you or did you automatically know um, what things to identify, you know, to kind of find out other things that you were passionate about? I would say I knew kind of what I was passionate about uh, leaving where, I finished my first degree of um, uh, criminology with the human relations minor in uh, December of 14. And then since I had that extra year, I also finished psychology. And that was when I was doing more of the children's hospital visits and became super close to one family that had a son pass away and um, was just getting more involved with like even after school programs where that was when I was like, I really just want to help kids like I want to be that person that can help the kids in the future I wanted to be in those pivotal moments helping kids make the right decisions like everyone would ask oh you want to coach college ball someday and I'm like well I would like to you know get the experience but for me honestly I would just like to coach high school football when I'm younger because 
that's the coach when you're like, yo, I remember when my high school coach said right, this. You know like, that, you know that, yeah. <laughs> you have a good one, like that's the one you remember. Like mm-hmm. when you're already almost a grown man when you roll into college, so mm-hmm. it's different. I agree. But like, I want, I would like to be that for some kids, but it was kind of just tough to kind of realize for me where, where I just kind of felt best suit of really making a difference. I wanted to do like motivational speaking, but mm-hmm. I felt like my drawback was I'm not at a point yet where I have that like end of the success story, like, mm-hmm. okay, well work for this. And then this will be reached. Like I'm still in that process. So right, right, right. It, it was still a lot of discovery for me with like, all right, what is my passion? What I want to do, but how can I incorporate it in the way that, kind of like vibes with me that obviously mm-hmm. one like you said you you know gotta get to the point you gotta make money so <laughs> right right <laughs> well, that's, that's that's a sad truth but yeah um, I, I couldn't agree yeah. more bro couldn't agree more man so last question bro like i said i call this the after effect podcast what would you say is jordan Kanziri's after effect right what would you say are some you know 20 plus years what would you say are some lessons that you learned you know, in, in high school and college and, and all those NFL opportunities, chances that you got in, in Japan, all the injuries, all the wins, all the losses, what would you say are some lessons that you learned that really, really stood out to you that could be ingratiated into your after effect? And you're, you would take that as you continue to press forward. And like we talked about earlier, just continue to try to push mm-hmm. the next generation forward. Yeah. And I mean, to be honest, like there, there for me, the one big thing is just kind of getting back into the mindset I had when I was a kid, like that mindset when, you know, it didn't matter what I heard or didn't matter what people said to me. Like I was just, you know, putting it all in, putting, putting everything I had to it and just hours of dedication. Now, like I feel that, yeah, like I have that same energy, but then I could have one thing go wrong and then I get that self doubt. Like, I'm like, ah, nah, maybe this ain't the right thing. Like maybe like this ain't the right path. And I start to question things more rather than just like going ahead, full head of steam. So I've been wishy-washy of like, oh, well, do do I want to stay in teaching? Do I want to get more involved with like being like a social media advertiser? Do I want to get more involved in film? Like, you know, I was talking with you and Nico about like doing stuff we're out there like, and that stuff that I was, that stuff I'm passionate about, but it's again, like how to monetize and how to really get that. Exactly. But that was the good thing. At least I just say the moral of just, everything I went through and even now is just embracing where you are, but like never, never putting yourself down, never not believing because once you start to, that's really when you will lose. And that was, and like, even me for myself, like me and Adam get like when I first came in, like, it was funny, like I would call him big bro and everything. Mm -hmm. And like one thing that we, you know, got in common is we both love anime. Mm -hmm. And I even be telling my girl about anime. I'm like, you don't really get the story. Like the point of it, like (laughs) what it's just like the inspiration of, you know, it's always got good storylines. And I'll even Mm -hmm. say lastly, like one that I just finished watching called black Clover. It's this kid who literally in a whole world that everybody's got, you know, powers, he has no magic but he literally just worked on his physical body so much to the point that now he became yeah. one of the most well-known strong people. Yeah. yeah. And like just from sheer dedication and sheer belief in himself. And like, that's what I felt when I was younger. Mm-hmm. It didn't matter that I had that mindset that I was like, you know, it don't matter what happens. Like I'm gonna keep mm-hmm. grinding. I'm gonna prove him wrong. But like now I've gotten too much involved in like, looking back at myself mm-hmm. and saying what did I do right and wrong mm-hmm. so now it causes me to question so it's mm-hmm. like just get back to 
having that full belief in yourself and just you know matter no matter what happens just I'm keep going man it's it's so funny that you that you break up self-doubt and uh because uh you, i feel like i was having a lot of a lot of that uh kind of like in my mid-20s uh, because like you said when things don't pan out like you hoped or you thought they would you find yourself doing that you find yourself going back in the past and just and that's when all those questions start coming to your head man did i do enough did i you, you know, could I have been a better teammate? You know, just all those team, all those uh, things start running into your, into your head. And like you said, when you're a kid, you don't really have that self-doubt. You, you just kind of fearlessly go for what you want. And so yeah. that's why, you know, I had started therapy. And that was a big emphasis for me is going back into my childhood and really digging deep and seeing the things that I like to do other than sports, which was like, mm -hmm. um, like I used to uh, sketch all the time and I was, I was in a choir. Uh, and so that, so that's what kind of made me want to start kind of dabbling into acting and dabbling into writing. And yep. I still, I still sketch just for fun um, now, but just kind of touching some of those aspects that I really liked uh, as a kid. And, and like you say, mm -hmm. just, I was just doing it just because I was just trying it. Like I was trying a lot of different things. Um, yeah. So and like you said, as, as we get older, you know, we've been through so much. We have so many experiences. We become overthinkers. We overthink everything. And like you said, as soon mm -hmm. as one bad thing happens or one thing happens, it, don't, it doesn't go our way, then that's when all the self-doubt is like, oh, no, maybe I shouldn't yep. be doing this. Maybe I shouldn't be doing that. And it's funny because it's like you would think the older you got, the more confidence you have. But it's it it almost feels like the older you get, the less confidence you have. <laughs> mm -hmm. like, no, it is wild. It is. Cause like, yeah, like you said, we overthink and we worry too much about all yeah. these ins and outs and yeah. are we doing what's right? Because like you said, we've been through so much that now we have this experience to draw mm -hmm. from and mm -hmm. really like try to think like, am I connecting the dots? Right. But right, that right. was like, I said, like when I was reading like Tony Robbins, it's just one good quote was he was just saying like, you got to imagine life is like uh, white water rafting. If you go a different way, you veer right. All you have to do is keep paddling straight and know that you'll eventually reach your destination right. rather than try to fight the current and get back to where you once were because it's yeah, impossible. Absolutely. Man, absolutely. And, absolutely. And, uh, and then one of my favorite quotes when um, I was like definitely going through the identity issues and looking back in the past was uh, my pastor said to me, he's like, He's like, Jordan, you just had to see life as like driving in a car. Occasionally you do and you need to look in the rearview mirror to know where you were and know what's around you and know where you've been. Mm -hmm. But if you stare in the rearview mirror for too long, you're going to crash. Right. And I was like, right. man, like. So true. That's, that's, that's powerful. And yeah, so that's that's all I would try to really like try to tell my younger self and live by. And so like, you know, right. once these trials and tribulations kind of come through, <laughs> it doesn't hit you as hard and you're you're more man. prepared. Man, definitely, bro. So, man, I appreciate you carving out the time. I know we both tired, man. It's, 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 a, it's a weekday. We both been grinding. Mm -hmm. But one thing, um, before we disconnect, man, one thing I've been trying to pride myself on is, you know, like we said, 2020 has been a super weird year, something we've never experienced. And um, I've just been trying to make sure I give flowers, um, you know, while guys are still here. You know, we were teammates in 2011. So I just want to tell you face up, man to man, that I'm super proud of everything you've done, all the accomplishments, all the accolades, man. Keep putting on for your family. Keep putting on for the state of New York. You're doing an amazing job, man. I know, like we said before, we're so we're also on that rat race and we kind of get mm -hmm. lost sometimes and forgets the, the good things that we did accomplish. So I just want to yeah. tell you face up, man, kind of just give you those flowers while, you know, while we both still here. 
No, yeah, definitely appreciate it, man. And like, even what we, you know, touched on earlier, you know, just the appreciation of, you know, the people we meet, like even, you know, our situation, like, you know, only first meeting when I was just a freshman, but still like just from being alumni and then still like even after football, you know, having the short exactly. conversations, even leading to now, like exactly. that's what matters, even reminiscing about, you know, our boy D-Bull, like, that's you know, that, that's what, that's what, you know, even on those tough, rough days, you can just like think back and mm -hmm. smile and mm -hmm. like moments where it's like, you know what, you know, I have lived good. And I tell, I tell, you man, man, right, bro. I totally agree. Even I had a um, DJK on for episode when I first started episode two, and we kind of reminisce about um, Tyler Sass. I know you never um, met him. I think he was mm -hmm. gone by the time you got there, but yeah. uh, we were really tight with him during our career. And so, and, and like you said, man, that's what it's all about. Just, uh, cultivating all these relationships that we, you know, that we've built through the game of football, right? If I didn't, mm -hmm. if we didn't play football, me and you would have never met. <laughs> so yep. just through that game is, you know, what's really valuable at the end of the day. Oh yeah, it's huge. Definitely more than a game, man. Definitely more than a game, bro. Well, like I said, man, I appreciate you carving out the time. We will definitely be in touch. And yeah, just continue to stay safe, safe out here. Blessings to you and your family. Hope you, um, you all, everyone stays safe and we'll be in touch, bro. All right. Sounds good. Appreciate having me and you and yours. Stay safe too, man. Thank you, man. Have a good night, bro. Thanks All right. For you joining. too. We'll see you. All right. So yeah, guys, uh, again, just a super, super powerful episode, episode 30 with Jordan Kanziri. If you've listened to the whole episode, you can really just hear the sincerity in his voice all the different trials and tribulations he's been through, right? Um, coming up from in a small town in New York and matriculating to the state of Iowa and playing as a freshman, always kind of being under overlooked and undervalued because of his size and, and just had an excellent career at the University of Iowa, had what, four to five NFL opportunities for whatever reason, just didn't pan out for him, played in Japan where he got injured again. Uh, and, and now is just still trying to figure it out, but still killing everything that he does and teaching and in motivational speaking and just all of those things. So I really hope that you guys enjoyed this episode. Continue just to be on the lookout for merch that is still in production. We'll be dropping that soon, um, as well as our Patreon account where we'll be um, releasing some exclusive content on there, um, you know, to make. Uh, talking about some of the Hawkeye games and some of the current players and things that are transpiring with the program now. So just stay on the lookout for that on the Patreon account as well. So thank you for joining again. Until next time, peace.